And welcome into another episode of Turning the Corner, a special episode of Turning the Corner. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, your beat writer for The Athletic. He's present on the hot stove, but he's most comfortable in front of a hot grill. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? Doing all right. A little bit stressed out, but hopefully things are about to quiet down for a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, you did kind of get your wish on our last episode, which has only been published for only a couple days. You said, I'd really like them to sign a shortstop so that we can stop talking about shortstops. Well, we got at least one big chunk of talking about a particular shortstop. Javier Baez, as I'm sure everybody is aware, will be, pending a physical, the newest member of the Detroit Tigers organization, agreeing to a reportedly six years, $140 million contract. So... I'll start out by saying kind of how my day was as someone who has a Tigers podcast and is a you know, fan of the team. So I'm on Twitter late. We're texting late about, you know, all these scenarios about this and that. And I wake up, honestly, as I often do around like randomly 2.45 in the morning. I just, sometimes it just happens. And I get on Twitter real quick just because that's a force of habit because I'm addicted to Twitter. And I see that one John Morosi is tweeting out very recently at that time that the Tigers and Baez are finalizing a deal, I believe is the wording that he used. And so I'm like, well, it's going to be hard for me to fall back asleep after reading that. (laughs) Um, I did manage to go to sleep for a couple hours and then woke up again, seeing if there were any updates. There were not. We text a little bit in the morning, like, could this be like a smoke screen? Could it be, you know, like there's still a million scenarios to be played out. And by the time I got to my office um, around 745 in the morning, um, I could tell that you you hadn't responded to me in about 15 minutes. So I was like, all right, he's busy. He's he's got it. He's, he's got to get his uh, get his groove on. So I, I just said, just text me when you can breathe. <laughs> Take care of business and text me when you can breathe, because obviously this is a big story. Uh, Jim Bowden was another guy that came out and said that they're close to a deal or that it's agreed to. Again, I can't remember the exact words at that time. But other than that, it was kind of strange because this is not the biggest splash in free agency overall in baseball, but it is a name. It's a guy that's played won a World Series in Chicago and just got done playing in New York. And... There's not a whole lot of the usuals tweeting about it. Ken Rothenthal, your colleague, didn't have much, at least at this time. Jeff Passan at ESPN wasn't tweeting anything about it. In fact, he was tweeting out about uh, labor negotiations that, as we record, are still ongoing and unlikely, I would say, to end in resolution. And so it was just kind of this, like, so did they agree to it? Is there like a holdup? Like it was, it was very strange. I, w- I would say this. It was very strange. Just imagine, you know, Adam Schefter not tweeting out about some big free agent signing. Like it just, it, it would, it, it was just a strange occurrence. So that was my late night, early morning. Um, you obviously have a professional uh, juice when it comes to breaking news. You've got a good breaking news track record, I would say. Uh, 
what was your late Monday night, early Tuesday morning? What were, what were you doing? What were you trying to do? Like, what was, uh, what was your process of getting this news out there? Yeah. I mean, I guess the bottom line is I got slaughtered on this one. So that wasn't very fun, but Monday I was, you know, on the phone, refreshing Twitter all day, really keeping a close tab on things and kind of from the jump, I thought it was, uh, it was very strange. There was kind of a lot. Uh, well, I don't know, like the whole league was active. Everybody's going crazy. And then suddenly the tigers are just radio silent, even, um, you know, even, even there were no rumors, there were no whispers. I'm kind of waiting for the phone to go off and it's not going off. And it's just kind of like, okay, what is going on? By the end of the day, I'm, I'm talking to Ken Rosenthal all day and he's hitting up his people and they're kind of not getting back to him either. By the end of the night, we both kind of start hearing some things from some people and some pieces start coming together. I think this is one of those things where in a few months, we're going to have a better idea of the real story, everything that was actually going on, because my sense is there was a lot going on kind of all at once. The Tigers were obviously on Baez. Um, but there for a while, I was starting to think, okay, there might just be a world in which the Tigers end up with Carlos Correa after all, especially if they miss out on Javi Baez. There's kind of a building sense that Carlos Correa isn't guaranteed to get the same or more than Corey Seager got simply because of the interest. I think the Rangers getting two shortstops kind of knocked, uh, you know, she's changed up the negotiations. It's like, okay, so what if Baez goes back to the Mets and then the Tigers and Yankees and Dodgers and maybe Astros? What if none of them want to pay Carlos Correa? Uh, I was told uh, this is not 100,000% confirmed, but the Tigers made a very competitive offer to Correa. That part is confirmed. The number I heard was $270 million, I believe, over eight years. That's a pretty good offer. Uh, sounds like it ultimately was not enough and the Tigers wanted to get something done it seems before this December 1st deadline. Baez ended up kind of being the guy they could get. It sounds like the, these negotiations went into the wee hours of the morning. Um, so by about midnight, uh, you know, I decided, okay, I like, I just, I guess nothing's happening. We had been keeping a close eye on the Baez thing. I thought Ken was on it for sure. Um, I just went to sleep. And sure enough, my dog decided to get me up at about 2.30, needing <laughs> to go out. And I grab my phone and I see, oh, Morosi's saying they signed Baez. And I'm like, okay, if this is real, I feel like, like I think Ken was going to be on this. Like, I think we had this. And I was like, I'm just, I don't know. This is really weird. Even the phrasing of his tweet included like a phrase that was like, if completed, that was kind yeah. of unusual and not something John normally does. I was like, okay all right, let's just like check on this one in the morning. Uh, got up in the morning and kind of thinking, you know, Ken would have it or someone else would have it. Well, no one else has confirmed this. The big boys in the industry have nothing. I've heard from no one. I text uh, a couple people and hear nothing for a long time. Word finally starts coming out. Evan Petzl of the free press, kudos to him, got the contract terms. Shout out, Evan. Um, and, and before you know it, it's like, okay, this thing is very real. Javier Baez is going to be a Detroit Tiger. I uh, finally hear back, get some confirmation, and then get going and get writing and, and kind of try to synthesize a bunch of information and churn out some content. So that's how it went down for me. 
Um, in terms of my actual reaction, I think it's still kind of a mixed bag. I think Javi Baez is one of the most exciting players in the entire league. I mean, maybe one of my very favorite, like top five, just favorite guys to watch. I was around him a little bit in Chicago in 2016. He's just an enthralling player. At the same time, as I said, uh, when our last episode, it wasn't really the guy I thought was the fit for the Tigers. Um, because he just has some flaws in his game offensively, especially the guy has some flaws, only a 307 career one base percentage. He's not really the true premium hitter the Tigers need in addition to a premium defender at shortstop. It's not to say Javi Baez isn't good. I think it's, again, uh, if you're criticizing the Tigers for not giving Korea 10 plus years, I think you're a little bit off base because as we've talked about a lot in recent weeks, a 10-year contract is just a long, long time. Um, if they couldn't get Correa for eight, you know, I wonder what's going on with Trevor Story. Things have still been very quiet with Trevor Story. I know the Tigers talked to him. I'm not real positive how serious those talks got. I would have liked him a little more as kind of the, the second option, just because I think he's a more well-rounded player. Uh, but there's some medical concerns there, some questions about his elbow. At the end of the day, you get Javi Baez. You get a guy who's still probably a four-win shortstop who is a massive upgrade at your biggest position of need. If not for all the Correa hype, I think we'd be really excited about this. And I think within a, a matter of months, Baez has a good shot to very easily win over this fan base because he's just so fun. He just does such unique things in the field. He's very hit or miss, feast or famine at the plate. And that concerns me. He's going to strike out a lot. But he's also going to hit some tape measure bombs. So that's the Javi Baez experience. That is now uh, what the Tigers have decided to sign up for. Um, it was strange how it went down. And I think there were multiple teams talking to multiple players. And for some reason, this dragged on late into the night. Uh, maybe one day we'll have a better idea of the real story there. Um, but for now, the, the Tigers are getting Baez. And, and look. It's not coming super cheap. They're going to pay him in excess of $23 million a year. Now, I do think that leaves about $10 million or so that Correa is not getting. And I kind of wonder, okay, are, are they going to do something with this money? Because I think the best way for the Tigers to justify signing Javi Baez would to go, would to be go and sign another, you know, somewhat quality player on top of the Baez signing. There's a couple things there. So, the old adage is deadlines make deals. And we had heard from Al that they're not going to treat the end of this current CBA as a deadline. I think without hearing the words out of his mouth, we can kind of go ahead and say there was a artificial deadline. It's a physical deadline in the grand scheme of thing, but there is an artificial deadline to try to get their guy. And I do believe that they were infatuated on a scale with all of these shortstops because you should be, because they're all really good players. Um, but I don't blame any GM, and across baseball guys are doing this. We've had a flurry of signings. I don't blame any GM for wanting to add a piece when you know you can add a piece instead of playing the waiting game until do you know when the lockout will end Cody? I don't know when the lockout will end. It could end 
in two weeks. It could end in two months. You know, like like the players are serious. That's that's a side note. We don't have to get too far into the CBA stuff, but the players are serious. So this is not going to be a light negotiation. You know, hey, thanks for you know, thanks for doing business with us. And, you know, we'll see you in, in Florida and Arizona in, uh, in a couple of weeks. No, this is going to drag a little bit, I think. But anyway, I saw on Twitter, as I'm sure you saw, just like overt negative reactions to getting bias. And even like non-Tigers fans, a couple of people that I work with, one of my buddies who's a Rangers fan who follows baseball. He's a very smart baseball fan. He's like, Baez? You know, it's like, Baez, really? As if, as if this guy was 38 and not 29. As if he had no skill to bring to the table and you're just kind of clinging to the hope that maybe he could recreate something from his early thirties. He's not in his early thirties. Like this is a guy in his physical prime of a player with flaws, but as you said, an exciting player and they were able to fill a huge position in need while opening up the checkbook, but not logging you down for the next decade, the next decade. And so I thought it was a reasonable contract. I think there's a very, if these numbers are to be believed, which I do, I think there's a very real possibility where he exceeds the value of this contract. I mean, we're roughly, I mean, you said that there was maybe wasn't the market for Correa that we initially thought, but let's just go with the numbers that we were thinking at, you know, prior to this nice little news drop you gave there. If Correa signs for 340, whatever. So you're talking about half the money. You're not getting half the player for bias. Right. Like, like by all accounts, it seems like a, an expensive, but reasonable signing about a, a, with a guy that, you know, is going to shore up one of your, your biggest weakness. He's going to bring excitement to your ballpark. And God, can you imagine Akil Badu and Javi Baez on the field at the same time running around, you know, causing war on the base pass. I think that's going to be fun. I think the Tigers just, in addition to being better, they became a lot more fun of a team. And I know it's, it's about wins and losses, but, I mean, that's something when it comes to uh, galvanizing your culture. If guys on the team are having fun, they're going to play better. And he brings, a lot of, he brings a lot. Maybe that New York thing, maybe the way it ended in Chicago, you know, and then New York with the booing thing, like, whatever. You know, like, it, not everyone can play in New York. You know, maybe, maybe New York's just not a good fit for him. But I can guarantee you that those that were lamenting the thought of him wearing the old English D are going to be eating crow in some fashion over the next several years. I do, you know, six years, 140. I think that's a pretty solid contract. One thing that hasn't gotten talked about a lot, there's an opt out supposedly after year two. And that worries me a little bit. Like, okay, so did you actually just sign a shortstop for two years? And then in two years, we get to do all this over again. Granted, two years time is also when Miguel Cabrera's contract should come off the books. The Tigers should uh, be big spenders all over again. But but that does worry me a little bit. Like, okay, like players tend to take their opt-outs if they play well at all. We talked about this with Eduardo Rodriguez. I think it's a little bit different for a pitcher 
Um, although I don't like committing to players for 10 years, I, I wish you had a little more assurance that, okay, you're going to have them for like minimum four years. If we have to go through this song and dance again after two years, because Baez has played really well, perhaps even exceeded the value of his contract. Um, I think that's, I don't know, that's a little bit worrisome, but Baez will also be 31 by that point in time. It seems like this is what the Tigers had to do to get the deal done. You know, I think uh, this is kind of what I wrote in my story, but uh, this deal very much reflects like the player that is Javi Baez, sometimes spectacular, sometimes infuriating. That's the type of player Baez is. I think in a vacuum, like this deal gets an A. You get Javier Baez, probably a top eight shortstop in the game, a really good defender, a very exciting player to watch. He's got a great nickname, El Mago, the magician. Um you get him at a decent value. I think that's an A. Now, in the broader context of this market, mm, I think more B plus. Joel Sherman on MLB Network gave it a B minus. And it's just because, okay, he clearly wasn't your first choice. And is he really the best fit when you start digging into um, guys who could have been your second choice? I'm just not sure about that in an offseason where you're really primed to make a big move you didn't get option number one. And then option number two is a guy who chases 44.5% of the time has an insane led the league in strikeouts has a 307 career on base percentage. He's still going to hit in the middle of this tiger's order. Uh, but it, it leaves me thinking, okay, the tigers kind of still need another bat or you have to really bet that Riley green and Spencer Torkelson are, are going to be gangbusters from the start because Baez is what he is as a player. He's going to probably hit 25-plus home runs. He's going to have some great games. He's also going to strike out a ton and not really be the type of offensive stalwart that the, the Tigers still kind of lack in their order right now. Here's what I like about Baez. 2016, 142 games played. 2017, mm-hmm. 145 games played. 2018, 160 games played. 2019, 138 games played. 2020. 59 games played, 60-game season, right? 2021, between two squads, 138 games played. I like that a lot. I, I like that a lot. And I, I, yeah. I, I could argue, Cody, that does he have less question marks or maybe less daunting question marks than, some of the, than most of these other guys? So, Correa, injury history uh Simeon age and what what decline on the other end of 30 is there going to be uh Seager how long can he play shortstop plus injuries uh story you just talked about his arm I mean what's the big question with Baez it's more of just like anticipating a, a style that he plays he can't do it as long but that's I feel like lesser than and your 20s being injury prone, you think you're going to be injury prone all of a sudden, not injury prone in your 30s? No. And then, you know, what's your elbow? Can you even play the position we're signing you to? Or are you already 31 years old? So yeah. I, in that faction, I, the more I kind of thought about it, I was like, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And Jim Bowden, your colleague, was like, this fits the timeline. I was like, you know, the Tigers timeline. I was like, you know, it, it kind of does. It's not perfect fit, but it, it's a fit, I think. I do think that's a big reason the Tigers ended up with Baez. This is kind of the way the market shook out. And especially if they were not entirely comfortable with Trevor's story, he was the guy like 
Corey Seager never really made sense because if the Tigers were going to give 10 years to a guy, it needed to be a guy who they knew could stick at shortstop. Marcus Simeon didn't really make sense because he was older, and especially when the Rangers gave him a seven-year deal, which I think is kind of crazy. Like, that that was definitely out. Um, you know, we know Correa had the price tag. So it, it really seemed like you were looking at, okay, Baez, Story, or go a completely different route. There are bigger question marks with Story, although I personally like him a little bit better. Uh, you're right. There were less questions with Baez. And for those who are still infatuated with Correa, like I said, I think Correa is the only guy who across the board was the perfect fit. I also, also think it's kind of a myth that Correa was just head and shoulders better than the rest of this class. You go look at the numbers. He's not. He's marginally better. Maybe he was last year. He's over the last four years. Not really because he's missed so much time. Um, there's this notion that, oh, the AJ Hinch reunion. Well, yeah, I think they have a good relationship. But another thing I've heard since the Baez deal was done is that AJ Hinch wasn't necessarily so enamored with Correa. I mean, he wanted him. He thought he was a good player. But AJ's managed Carlos Correa. He knows the good and bad of Correa better than everyone. He's managed a player who missed significant time with injuries, who, like Javi Baez, can still be a little streaky, still probably has the own quirks of his personality. Um, so, I, you know, I, I would guess that AJ Hinch is pretty happy with this move, too. I think I'm sure he wants more pieces for his team. Um, but it's, it's kind of another reminder that it was never Correa or bust as much as I don't think Baez quite checks every box. This is still a pretty quality sign. Well, I'll tell you who's excited. Um, Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, Jamer, and, uh, and Jake Rogers. Um, those are just some of the players I saw. I don't, uh, peruse every player's uh, social media, but I did see them sort of like share the, the breaking news alert or whatever on Instagram, you know, with some, with some excitement. And if you're a pitcher, uh, especially a pitcher, I mean, Eduardo obviously would love it too, but like if you were a pitcher on the team last year and now you have a sure-handed shortstop, uh, you're really excited for this. And they got yourself a two-time gold glove catcher. Uh, the, the, if you combine the trade with Tucker Barnhart and the bias signing and the Eduardo Rodriguez signing, Tigers got pretty strong up the middle. And I don't know how serious teams still do the adage of like build your team up the middle and all that stuff. That's kind of an old, old way of looking at it, but it, it's still a thing. You still want to have a quality catcher. You still want to have a quality shortstop. And obviously, you got to have quality pitching. And up the middle, the Tigers got a lot better this offseason. And I think his teammates are going to uh, love playing with his big, brash personality and the energy he brings to the ballpark every day. It's 162 games. Or I guess maybe they could have reduced it depending on, on, the, on the CBA. But it's a long season. And you need guys to help bring the juice. Um and I think he's going to do that. And that's, it's one of those things that you can't measure, but you know, it's something. And I think he definitely brings that something, that it factor that, um, that the Tigers will be able to take advantage of. I think that's, I think that's part of his appeal. And I don't think it can be discounted. I think the Tigers definitely continue to kind of double down on pitching and defense right now. You're like, okay, this rotation assuming my scuba man and continue to take steps forward is going to be pretty good. You have the good defensive catcher you need. 
Um, you have a premium defensive shortstop. Now, second base, still a little bit of a question. And center field, who knows? But the makings of a good defense after having a very bad defense last year are suddenly starting to fall into place. Um, me being a critic, I'm still like, okay, so where, where are the bats? Where are the runs coming from? Well, the Tigers probably think they have two premium bats coming in Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, even if they're not um, hitting 300 with 30 homers right away. They can be productive hitters, and the Tigers believe those guys are going to get there in a couple of years. So maybe that's the kind of the answer to the question. If we continue to build a strong pitching and defense foundation, we know we have two tremendously talented hitters coming up in the system. At some point, you know, maybe when Cabrera's deal comes off the books, we go add another bat, um, you know, then suddenly you are in pretty good shape in, in kind of the grand scheme of things. And also, if you're a Tigers fan, you got to be happy about this team being in the national conversation. So we we opened this podcast talking about how weird it was, like the actual breaking of the news was, uh, I guess you would call it not typical. But since then, The Athletic has this, very well covered. You're writing. Jim Bowden's written about it. Keith Law's written about it. Ken Rosenthal has written about it. Although his was more of an angle about what the market is for Correa, but he still did talk about the buy, uh, the bias signing itself. Rosenthal, listener to the pod, apparently, because he said that it brings financial flexibility, which is something that I talked about last episode. So shout out Ken Rosenthal. Uh, Keith Law we joke about sometimes and uh, his writing about it was very firm, more firm than I thought, more firm than I think most people about the Tigers are trying to win in 2022. When I say trying to win, I mean like they believe they're division pennant contenders. Uh, he's the only one kind of riding with that angle. That's what he and he's talking about their offseason moves with Eduardo and Tucker and obviously Baez. Um, I do think they are trying to win games and get better, but I it wasn't these moves aren't Texas Rangers moves, in my opinion, right? So like I think that was I was that the tone that he took was interesting to me. So that leads me to say this: the offseason's not done, although it is about to be on pause. Uh with these moves that the Tigers have made, is it the right thing to look at it as they're trying to top the White Sox or are they still in challenge the White Sox mode? Right, well, let's stick to with the vision. I still think they're challenge the White Sox. I don't think they're top the White Sox mode because I think you still got to see how Riley Green and Spencer Torgerson are going to play major league pitching and react to the rigors of, a, of being a major league player. But if they were on, I think we're on track for 2023 to be like, we can top the White Sox. But I still think right now, Tigers, as it currently stands, are in challenge the White Sox territory. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I mean, just look at the roster. The White Sox are still pretty stacked. You have Yasmani Grandal, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, uh, Lucas Giolito, Andrew Vaughn, Tim Anderson. The White Sox are still a more talented team than the Tigers. I don't think there's much question about it. I think in Detroit, the rough draft of the plan has always been, we want to be in the playoff conversation. We want to really push for a wild card spot and perhaps even challenge the White Sox in 2022. By 2023, the pitchers are a year older. Green and Torque have a year under their belt. 
okay, now we want to, maybe we add another piece here or there. Now we're really pushing for the division. We're pushing to be legitimate um, playoff threats. I still don't think that's, I mean, who knows? Look, weird stuff happens in baseball. Um, Plus we don't know what the playoff format will be. Well, that's that's also very true. But, uh, you know, I don't think that's, uh, I think right now, you know, second place in the AL Central is still probably best case scenario for the Tigers. I think that's within reach. I think they still need a couple more pieces to really solidify even that. So we've talked about before. You also have some prime candidates for regression on this team. Are you sure Akil Badu is going to repeat or build on what he did last year? Some other guys like that. You're going to have rookies. You're going to have young pitchers. Um, but going back to Keith Law, like that was funny. I, Keith Law, who we joked about a couple of weeks ago, like was very complimentary of the signing. I think he liked it more than I did. And uh, so so I'm sure that made some, some Tigers people happy to see that even Keith Law was – quite the fan of this move yeah and i didn't really see anybody that you know took a dump on the move uh there were some people uh espn you mentioned mlb network uh mlb.com espn and their espn plus article gave it a b minus i believe and that guy i I, i'm sorry i forget the writer's name but that guy was uh speculating that you know correa wants like a 12-year contract i was like whoa (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe if Correa does sign like a 12 years and you know whatever 415 million dollars maybe then Tigers fans will be like okay I get it <laughs> I get it um but it, as I started the point out though Tigers in the national conversation Tigers a team to be taken seriously um if they are like to get second place in the division they're very much on what could only be considered an accelerated timeline considering what the past, the previous four years (laughs) had been. And I believe credit is due to everybody around because they've made the team significantly better in only a matter of weeks. I don't think they had to overreach on anything. I thought everything was sound moves and these are traits of well-run organizations and no one was going to confuse the Tigers the past couple of years as being on the, the surface, a well-run organization. So it, it should be a celebrated day for the Tigers and for Tigers fans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's, it's fine to point out some of the flaws or be a little skeptical or critical of the moves in the market. But at the end of the day, you got Javi Baez on your team. Um, I think if we would have said that, you know, back in February, people would have been pretty elated. Look, you got a shortstop. There was also a point in time where the market stops, starts moving and you're not hearing anything on the Tigers front. It's like, is there a chance they actually whiff and they don't pay Correa and they don't like story and no one actually wants Baez and they get no shortstop like for, for a split second, that also seemed mm-hmm. like that was in play. I don't think it ever was. I think they were always in on the shortstop market, probably even more than we think. Uh, but like that was kind of the doomsday scenario and it did not get to that point. Um, so now the big question is what comes next? The Tigers have already committed what almost 45 million, I believe in payroll just for next year at the beginning of the off season, I would have thought 50 is a pretty good number um that that they might aim for but look if i'm the tigers i don't know you look at what other teams are doing i think there's a case to keep pushing 
And I don't think that means they're going to sign Carlos Correa and move Bias to second. That'd be awesome. I have no indication that that's in the plan. Uh, curious to see how much Chris Taylor gets. So I still think he would be a heck of a piece. Or if they could even get uh, kind of a Chris Taylor light, like a Paul DeYoung, it's kind of a versatile infielder utility type guy. I think there's a space for that on this team. We know they're still seeking uh, one more starting pitcher. That's that's kind of a guarantee. I think the question now is where exactly does this come from? Look, they've been linked to guys, Robbie Ray, Marcus Stroman, Anthony DiSclefani. Uh, I still get the sense that if they're to add a pitcher, it probably comes kind of from the lower end of the market. Or we're about to see a bunch of guys get non-tendered. Uh, I think there are teams like the A's, the Reds, maybe still looking to make a couple of trades. So I wouldn't rule out the Tigers getting creative in adding a fifth starter. I don't know exactly what the plan is there, but I would still anticipate another pitcher. Probably not a guy that they're going to pay a ton, but maybe they'll get creative in how they try to acquire. And, um, I, you know, I know the Tigers remain checking in on some relief pitchers. They were talking to Andrew Chafin yesterday. Doesn't sound like a deal is close there by any means. But I definitely know there's a point in time where they wanted to add another power reliever, particularly a left-hander. I think Chafin would be a great fit. Um, so I, I, I think if you're the Tigers, get yourself another starter, get a power reliever, and get kind of a utility guy who you can really trust and who can, who can swing it a little bit. And then suddenly I start to really like this team's playoff chances a lot more. If you kind of call it quits now and re-sign Willie Peralta, and I'd still have a tough time saying, okay, no, the Tigers are going 90 games. It's fair. And just throwing out some names of some guys that are on the open market that fill, you know, some needs, uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying they're in on these guys, but like, you know, Kyle Schwarber, you mentioned Chris Taylor, um, you know, Chris Bryant's out there, our old friend, Nick Castellanos. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a good fit. It'd be a good fit. Um, and uh, uh, World Series hero, uh, Jorge Soler, um, also an outfielder available. So uh, if they if nothing else happens before the lockout, they can sit pretty knowing that the team is drastically improved. There's an energy around around. Uh, there'll be a big energy around Lakeland and and around Detroit and. Now, I would say, like, I want to say the, the only the easy parts are ahead because it's not ever easy, but the filling in the gaps pieces are really what remains. And the pressure of, like, are you going to get a shortstop? What are you going to do at catcher? Um, you're just going to bank on these three young guys in the pitching rotation. All questions coming into the offseason, all answered. And that's a good thing. You should, everyone should feel good about it. Yeah, totally true. The biggest items on your off-season to-do list are checked off. I do think, unless there's another deal that breaks at like 2.30 a.m., any any further moves are probably going to come after the lockout, in which there's probably going to be another little bit of a signing frenzy. Um, guys like Correa are probably still going to be out there, but I think there are going to be a lot of guys on the lower end of the market kind of signing in a flurry in the couple of days after the lockout. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Tigers are able to fill in a couple of gaps there in that time. Um, one thing we, we didn't talk about in Kieran and that we didn't have one, I think on our kind of makeshift schedule, but sounds like Matthew Boyd will indeed be non-tendered. Mm -hmm. um, I am not surprised. I think, especially when you look at the financials, the price, 
And the, the, it was already a tough decision. I think Matthew Boyd's injury kind of sealed that fate. He's not going to be able to pitch until probably at least June. Um, kind of sad to know that this could be the end of his time as a Tiger. Now there's always a chance he comes back on a much lower contract. Uh, but I also think Boyd will have some suitors in the league. I think he has a bright future as a pitcher. Um, obviously a great guy, a clubhouse favorite, but I cannot say uh, I'm surprised at all that the Tigers went ahead and made uh, what ends up being a tough business decision. Yeah, and I think it was the right decision. Uh, he's going to pitch again. You know, this is not um, hopefully not something that's, you know, career threatening. He's obviously confident that he'll bounce back and, you know, be better than ever and all that stuff. And I don't think there's anyone in Detroit that, will do nothing but root for that will do anything but root for him uh, wherever it ends up. And, you know, who knows, like I said, could come back. I think he should just get himself healthy and then have an array of options in front of him. And, you know, it's not the last we've seen of Matthew Boyd, but, but yeah, that is a good note. And uh, our boy, uh, Christian Stewart signed with the, Signed with the Red Sox on a minor league deal, so that's another. Tiger. Oh, I didn't even see that. Totally yeah. missed that. See, one. There's so much, yeah. so much things going on on a minor league deal. I signed with the Red Sox, so um, he's going to get his shot. So good for him. A nice little short porch in uh, left field, and maybe if he can you get some. Don't have to cover too much ground in right outfield field, I mean. either. Yeah. You don't have to make super long throws. Hey, maybe. Ooh, wouldn't Tigers fans be livid if Kristen Stewart <laughs> hits 30 home runs? in Fenway Park. <laughs> uh, probably not going to happen, but glad to see him get a shot. And if, if there's one ballpark where he could make it as a major league left fielder, it's probably that one. Yeah. And see, now we're seeing sort of like the shedding of some guys that their time kind of ran out and bringing in new guys who are the immediate and the future. So a lot of a lot of youth on this team right now. A lot of guys that are in their late 20s, early 30s that, you know, as I've said before, ain't trying to waste time. As far as I can uh, see, it's got, Tiger's got a good mix right now. They got a good mix. They got a top-level manager. As I said, brighter days ahead over there in downtown Detroit. So uh, is there anything you wanted to add, Cody, before we get out of here? That is all I can think of. If you want to know more about Baez, more numbers, more analysis, more reaction, it's all in the athletic. We have my story. We have a round table with a bunch of other writers who have weighed in. Uh, plenty of Javi Baez content out there. I hope you guys will check it out. Absolutely. And uh, even though you said you got your butt kicked or whatever, um, it's not like you got your butt kicked and just sat down. There's a lot of good content out there and um, that you produced uh, today and and we're a part of the athletic in general so like I said Tigers in natural conversation as as of we record this Tuesday November 30th 2021 it's it's good to be a Tigers fan it's good to be around the team because uh because they're on the they're on the upswing even more so so all right we're gonna get out of here hope you guys enjoyed this episode follow on Spotify and Apple Turning the Corner podcast. Follow Cody on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley, and our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Thank you for listening.